Well, YouTube will police your content. Really? Uh, which you never want. You know what I mean? Like, cause they, oh, TikTok polices your content too. Oh, like, like a motherfucker. And, and I'm so old. I don't know the regulations, honey. So I had one whole uh, thing I posted that was muted. And I was like, what are we talking about on here that could possibly be muted? Pussy. Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. My name is Tony Soto, and today we are doing things a little differently because I had decided that in our last, what, eight or so months we have left of the uh, podcast that I wanted to do at least one show a month where I do it solo. And uh, yeah, so we're going to see how this works out and how well this is received. We are uh, broadcasting live on our Patreon at this moment. So if you would like to watch these interviews that happen monthly, then all you have to do is go to the Tony Soto Show Patreon, subscribe a measly $5 a month, and uh, you can get access to this, plus so much more content that I actually do produce on the Patreon. Yeah. I mean, the Patreon is an untapped market of interesting things to watch. And if it isn't interesting to you, then let us know what you think would be interesting to watch me and uh, also my co-hosts, uh, Maxwell and Diana, do. You know, maybe we'll get some stuff done. I know that I am dedicated to creating more content for our Patreon page. Uh, because I'm very appreciative of the people who have been with us for as long as they have and have sat through like literal long droughts of us not doing a goddamn thing. And by us, I mean me. So we did start a new year off last year or last week. And I realized that, um, you know, so we didn't have our regular co-hosts back last week. I uh, had to find a sub working. So there was a lot of things that I uh, let just slip my mind. And uh, the crazy thing is, is being a gay podcast, the fact that I did not mention Betty White last week and the passing of Betty White on this show, actually, I should be reprimanded. I should, I should lose a couple of my punch cards uh, that we get for being homosexuals. But yes, 2022 has already set up itself to be a year of some pretty big losses uh, so far. And yeah, I mentioned Betty White. We mess, we lost Betty on New Year's Eve. And what a classy gal. Like, what a classy bitch. You know what I mean? She's like, listen, I know that 2022 is not going to be any better than 2021, y'all. And I, as an icon, as a golden gal, have decided that I'm going to give you one less thing to worry about. One less thing. Because you know, when we had that whole rash of uh, folks dying, I think, at the, I think it was at the beginning of uh, 2021 or the end of 2020, 
Uh, we had, we lost a lot of great people and I, in the back of my mind, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but in the back of my mind, I literally was like, Oh my God, how is Betty? Uh, and you know, like as you get older and you're a star, like, um, you kind of just disappear when you get older. I mean, like we haven't seen Barbara Walters and I couldn't even tell you how long we, you know, she's not dead yet. Uh, so, so like, Betty had also kind of fallen off like she hasn't really she hadn't really done much in the last couple of uh, months outside of like tweeting and and whatnot and who knows who's doing that for her but I think that she was just like let's give you one less thing to worry about in 2022 because quite frankly the truth of the matter is we have we're gonna have a lot of shit that we do have to deal with so Betty was like sayonara bitches she was like I'm fucking out of here she's like I'm the last remaining golden girl like the end of a legacy she's literally you know we talk about like losing all these like hollywood greats or these pop culture greats and it's like she is the epitome of knowing what it was like to work through decades decades of the entertainment industry and not a pretty industry like pretty homophobic pretty uh, uh, misogynistic, pretty uh, racist. And uh, she is she is an example of one of those performers that worked throughout that whole time. And I mean, I challenge you to find her saying something problematic. You know what I mean? Like she was always a lover of people, a lover of animals, and she's just gonna be missed. So, you know, Betty, God bless you. You know, but I, I just, I am not a believer in the afterlife. I believe that energy just moves on and spreads out. And if there is a creator, then I hope that you are getting the rewards that you are entitled to. Um, and if there is not a creator and you are just like on a continuous push forward, your energy, your spirit or whatever is just going out there and ethos. I hope that everything it touches, um, experiences some calmness and light because you will be missed. But on top of that, we lost Sidney Portier, like who is at 94, I believe he passed away, who was the first uh, African-American actor to win an Oscar. Um, he's an activist, like he was, um, uh, he's from the Bahamas. And so he was a, a, a big pride and joy from, uh, for, uh, of, the Bahamas, I believe it is. Oh, I believe it's the Bahamas. Oh, I hope I'm not. No one here to check me when she does it by herself. But, um, you know, I was thinking about this because I live in Los Angeles. And when a big star dies, uh, the people flock to their stars. You know what I mean? They're Hollywood Walk of Fame stars. And, you know, we had that situation when Betty passed away. Now, I can't really remember where Betty's real estate was, but she's in a good spot. You know what I mean? Like she's in a, she's in a high traffic spot and uh, she had uh, flowers and candles and adornments all over her uh, walk, uh, her star. And then after Sydney passed away, they, uh, they had, you know, the news crews out there at his star, which is, I do not know where their stars are, but what I'm saying is one looked to be heavy traffic, uh, probably a real, and then one looked to be like in front of a garage. So, I mean, and, and there just wasn't really the turnout for Sydney that, that you, that, I mean, I guess we just have, have uh, grown to accept now because I mean, 
he's equally as iconic as as Betty, uh, but separate genres, obviously, and but same industries. And uh, I don't know. It was just it was very interesting to see the grand adios that we gave to Betty and then the almost nothing that was hap that happened for Sydney Portier. And, um, you know, I digress. I, what, what, what can I say? I didn't go out to either, you know, Hollywood's dreadful, let's be honest. Uh, that's one big secret you, or uh, one big spoiled uh, secret that you don't realize until you move to LA is how gross Hollywood actually is. Um, but then to top it off, we just lost Bob Saget, America's dad, America's dad is dead. And this is crazy because he was 65, you know? And I, I know as I get older, I think about my mortality often. And I, th I find that, you know, after you have children, you also do that even more because you get to watch someone in there in the prime of their lives, you know? And you're like sitting here hoping that your body doesn't ache all day. Um, but we lost America's dad, uh, Bob Saget, who, is an acclaimed uh, TV star, stand-up comedian. And, uh, you know, it was crazy because we know him as like from Full House and we know him, the, 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 the general public know him as uh, the father on Full House. Uh, they know him as the host of multiple seasons of America's Funniest Videos and home videos. And, um, but what, but pe what people are like, and what I've known always, but what people are like, you know, learning because, you know, you don't really go out of your bubbles is that he was a very blue comic. You know, he was, a, he, um, he was a dirty comic. He said dirty words, talked about dirty things. And, um, you know, I, I never really knew him for his standup. And so, you know, after people die, they start playing their greatest hits on the shows and whatnot. So I, watched half of one of Bob Saget's most re more recent comedy specials on HBO Max. And I realized, uh, yeah, I knew him as America's dad. <laughs> like, I never liked America's Funniest Home Videos because I always thought the, the jokes were super corny and come to find out he wrote that shit. And uh, so it all makes sense to me. I'm like, oh, I know and appreciate Bob Saget from Full House. I do not know and appreciate Bob Saget from his stand-up career because I just did not think it was all that funny. Uh, but what do I know? Like, what do I know? And I'm not trying to like trash anyone's, you know, if you, if you love him for his comedy, perfect. I hope that, you know, I, I hope that he keeps bringing you laughs, uh, you know, when you revisit his, his uh, discography or whatever, but for me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with this comedy. I watch a lot of stand-up, everybody. I watch a lot of comedy. I appreciate a good comedian because I really wish I knew what it was like. I wish I had the skill to write a cute joke. I do, um, but I don't. And so I'm appreciative and I'm never, and I never want to like be too shady, but I don't know. There's also corny comic comics out there. And I think it's okay to be like, eh, I'm not into you, you're corny. Um, that said, let's move on from all the loss because guys, we had another anniversary. We had an anniversary, an anniversary that we can never forget. And that was the one year anniversary of the failed coup by uh, former president, twice impeached and disgraced Donald Trump. And, um, you know, Republicans are doing whatever they can to make us think that that wasn't a thing and that nothing really happened and there's no big fucking deal and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, 
you can lie to the American people to a point. I mean, you can show them a video and they'll tell you, no, that didn't happen. That's doctored. How dare you? Um, but I do kind of feel like there are cracks that are happening uh, in the government ethos when it comes to the insurrection. I mean, recently Marjorie Taylor Greene was taken off of Twitter for her constant misinformation regarding COVID-19. And she was a huge um, mouthpiece for talking about uh, uh, if you if you are from a blue state and you move to a red state, then you need to have a cooling off pro uh, period where they can indoctrinate you into their bullshit. Uh, still paying taxes, mind you. You can't vote, uh, but they want you to uh, vote the way they are doing it. And I, and I feel like this is like happening in all of these red states that are getting a lot of uh, California people that are moving there. Um, they, they're like, remember why you moved here? We're ignorant and stupid and don't take care of nothing. And that's how you like it. So you just remember that and don't come here bringing all your liberal bullshit and your nonsense. And Marjorie was a really pro a big proponent on that whole thing. So if a stupid white blonde woman starts a civil war here in the United States, honey, we have it coming. All right, we deserve it. Cause she's like a huge moron. Like every time I see her, I'm like, I'm like, you and Sarah Palin are cut from the same fucking cloth. And it is said, why are all conservative women dumb? Like, why are they the stupidest and the loudest? I hate it. But um, piggybacking on that, we have uh, Madison, uh, what is his name? Madison Cawthorn. I don't know. I can't read my writing. He's the senator from North Carolina that's in the wheelchair. No, no shade on the wheelchair, but then you all know who he is. Um, and... Uh, you know, he's North Carolina and North Carolina voters are trying to be like, we do not want him to be able to run for uh, re-election because of the parts that he played during the insurrection. So, you know, I know that a lot of liberals are like, in this internet uh, age that we live in, you want shit fast. And this is a kind of a hurry up and wait situation. But I do think that it's, as this goes along, we're going to be seeing a lot more politicians, Republican politicians, uh, that are gonna have some explaining to do. And I, for one, am excited and can't wait for that. Let's see, guys, before we take a break, what else did I wanna talk about here? Oh my goodness, guys, January 28th, the queen, Miss Janet Jackson, she has produced a two-day documentary special that is going to premiere on A&E, I believe. And I just read the article that they did on her in Allure magazine, and A, she looks fabulous, and B, Janet's just always Janet, you know, like Janet, Janet can like, can, can come in any decade and just be Janet. And we are like, mama, mama, mama. we love you, Janet. We love you. We love you. We love you. And this is no different. Like, I can't wait to see, I, I, I'm, I'm so interested because not only do I want to know how she dealt with her family and the backlash or whatever, but I also want to know about like this prince that she married and then so she had a kid with, and that she was like, sayonara, I don't want to be with you. This is like, and I'm just intrigued. And I hope that the documentary that is produced by Janet is the tell-all that we want because um, we stand her. Like, I hate that when that whole Super Bowl nonsense happened, uh, that everyone went to her and was like, you have to explain yourself. And it's like, come on. Anyway, we stand, Janet. Girl, work, bitch, work. Um, 
Before we go to break, we have a little bit of gay news. And this is interesting because, oops, dropped my shit, is because in the gay news, Miss Caroline Cruz, that is right, 13-year-old daughter of stupid gas bag idiot moron Ted Cruz, senator out of Texas, has just recently come out as bisexual. Also saying that she does not really uh, agree with most of her father's politics, um, but that she thinks that uh, the father, and though that she hasn't at the time of the article or the time of the TikTok uh, declaration, that uh, she has not come out to Ted Cruz yet, but that she doesn't think that he would be too terribly upset about the bisexual thing. And here's just some hope before we go to break. Here's some hope that if a stupid Republican cuck like fucking Ted Cruz can spend his lifetime being a complete moron and saying the stupidest shit possible and procreate, there is still a chance for those children to grow up and realize that their parents' politics are stupid and hopefully make a change from within. Because if, uh, if we're gonna have to pay attention to cruises, I'm hoping that it's Caroline and I'm hoping she's running for something as long as she stays a nice liberal thinking bisexual. Uh, all right, we are gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we have an exclusive interview with no stranger to this show. She's been here quite often. Um, I'm so glad that she's back here again. She is an entrepreneur. She is an amazing drag performer. She is an advocate for the trans community. And she just recently got a little bump being on an internet game show where she has debuted her alter ego, Bitter Betty. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Sarah Andrews. We'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right, we are back with the show, and I'm so excited to be doing our first solo with Soto with someone who's already done this show, friend of this show, but now it's a little more controversial that they're on the show. <laughs> uh, like I had mentioned before I we went to break, we have, she's an entrepreneur. She's one of the best drag queens in town. She just had a whole resurgence uh, by creating the character Bitter Betty on some internet drag show, and uh, we're just excited to have her back. Miss Sarah Andrews. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. My God, first of all, let's just talk about how goddamn gorgeous you are. Do you know, I, I play a lot of video games and I play, well, mostly Dead by Daylight. So, uh, <laughs> but like we, the people who I play with, stand you regularly really? <laughs> yeah because you know you gotta wait for a lot of games in between dead by daylight so we're on the twitters and i'm like damn that sarah love <laughs> that fucking sarah Aww. now <laughs> let's talk about thank you for coming let's talk about you because this is all about you me and your me. journey your journey from like a what well can we say a, a, a Nashville Hill person to uh-huh. a superstar uh, drag artist now to a a uh, about a T list um, drag celebrity still hey, girl, at least you're in the alphabet bitch welcome <laughs> still a Hill person though uh, so so how is it so so what would you say that there's a difference between the Sarah that we 
that the, that we see now in the world than the Sarah that that started in Tennessee? Uh, I mean, I've grown as a drag queen. I should hope that I've grown over 40 years uh, or however many years I've been doing this. I'm 40 years old. I don't guess I've been doing drag for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I hope that I've grown. I should hope that I've gotten better and, and I'm evolving. You know, I've reinvented myself more times than Madonna, I think. Can I ask so, you... Um, about the step from gay boy to trans woman. Yeah. Like, like how that happened. What what was the catalyst? What because honey, you, you were you're in a place where they didn't have a lot of trans women running around. Well, well, back then in Nashville, actually, the there were a couple big gay bars that had like really cool drag shows with stages. Cause in the South, like they don't fuck around with their drag. They have stages that are separate from the dance floors and like show bars and things. Oh, it's like Texas kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nashville's very like Texas. Um, and back then, um, the majority of the casts, they have casts, you know, they don't, they don't like, it's hard to get on the cast. Once you're on there, you're on there until someone leaves, dies, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, it's really hard to get on cast down there. And for the most part, the majority of the cast when I started in the late 90s were trans women, full-blown transsexual women at that. So um right, but you were but you weren't you weren't born in a gay bar. So like what right. what what brought well I didn't well I you know yeah back then like the kids didn't know about trans people really like they do now. Now kids are transitioning left and right. My first because yeah, uh, you were just a faggot for how long? Yeah, like, I was just a big homosexual. <laughs> um, <laughs> but until I was like, I think I think I started transitioning at I'm really bad with like remembering timelines. Dates are and not ours, honey. It's, we could because it's it's because we're well, fucking Gen Xers and we were left alone all the time and looking at calendars wasn't really something we were doing. Well, I also was a raver kid for quite a few years in my younger years and did mm -hmm. a lot of drugs. So the days just kind of melded together. Yes, girl, um, one big party. Yeah, one big five, six, seven, eight year party. Um, <laughs> so I, I honestly don't remember the date that I like the the year exactly, but I think that was around twenty two ish that I that and I. And was it was it you you there. saw a a drag show and you were just no, like you know what it was? I think um, I like I said I was a little raver kid and I would go out uh, everywhere. Anytime I would go out, I would I would go out and drag. And it was even like, you know, dress raver kid pants and little visors and shit, but still in drag. And it got to a point where I was realized that the reason that I think that I did that was because obviously I was just more comfortable that way. I just basically, girl, I got in drag and didn't want to come out. Yeah. Like, well, and this is the thing, like, and this is why. I had been why... drag for years before that as just, you know, a drag queen. A, and like a costume, like to someone who likes to like dress up. And that, I think that the raver community really kind of boosts that whole, like, let's be Muppets, you know, let's yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, so, so when you decided, when you were like, and this is why I think that a lot of trans uh, drag artists need to be respected is that my favorite thing to do at the end of the night is take the drag off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it means something that when, uh, when, when a trans person wants to stay in that state at all times, it is yeah. not comfortable to be a fabulous bitch. It just truly yeah. isn't. Um, now, well, when you, go ahead. Also back then, like, I mean, 
I didn't wear near as much makeup back then either. I thought that I was wearing a shit ton of makeup and I probably was for back then, but, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the trans women were more just like these big glamazons that, you know, so we didn't mind being in all that shit. Um, what was it? What was, what was your journey like with your family at this time? Are you still close with them? Was this something that tore you apart, brought you together? How the- well, I've actually never been very close with my family because I grew up in foster care. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was put into foster care permanently at the age of 10 and, uh, you know, moved around a lot after that. So I do know my mother, my birth mother. I do know her. I actually, uh, got reacquainted with her when I was, I think like 17 turning 18. And, um, uh, so I do have a relationship with her. Um, but I wouldn't call it like a close one or anything. What does she think about Sarah Andrews? She's, you think I'm a hill person, but you think Taylor's a hill person. Oh my God. She is a hill person. I mean, she grew up in a, a farmhouse with like no indoor running water, uh, nothing but a wood stove, 13 Damn. brothers and sisters. I mean, some Dolly Parton shit, an outhouse, you name it. Yeah. 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 She's a hill person, but, um, uh, and yeah, she, she grew up, you know, she, I remember her, I very specifically remember her telling me when I was a little kid, she had a gay, we had a gay neighbor that she was friends with, good friends with, would go hang out with all the time. But I very specifically remember her telling me to stay away from him when she wasn't around because uh, gay people are, you know, child molesters. molesters. Yeah. So um, well, she also probably saw a little swish in your pants. Right. And was like, right. So yeah. she, she, you know, has a lot of hill person ideals that are not good uh but she's very accepting of me she's just you know she lost all her children all three of her children got put into foster care or adopted and when I got reacquainted with her she was just happy to have one of her children back so you have siblings and you have no relationship with them either not really I I I know them uh but I yeah I don't we're not close or anything. Like we talk maybe once every few years, but it's nothing so who, close. Who, who were Sarah Andrews's role models? Who helped lift her up and show her love? As a child, or yeah, as, as a child? yeah, of course, as a youth, as like I mean, it, did you find a, a good foster care moment or, or what? I mean, there were some good foster homes. There were some not so great foster homes. Uh, there were some that were good when they were good and real bad when they were bad. Um, I, I feel like that's how the majority of them were, to be honest. But um, as far as like role models, I didn't really have any. I was my role model. I, so I, you were like a loner. It very much so. I was very much a loner because I didn't really stay in a school for any length of time. So I would make for a couple of friends. I, I was never a popular girl. I was a nerd. Yeah. Um, so I had maybe one or two friends at most any time, any school I went to. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a loner and uh, learned at a, at a very young age to be independent and make my own idea up about things and think for myself and, you know, because especially when it comes to stuff like you know religion and like deeper stuff because like all those foster homes were different like sure and all everything else so like i'm so how does well this is interesting to me because like a you've 
you were isolated. Um, you're dealing with what you think is homosexuality alone, but then ultimately turns into realizing that you are trans. Right. And you're doing this by yourself. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I'm just, conf- I, I, what my, I'm so in, interested because I know what it was like for my isolated journey as a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it would have been like. As shitty as my family was, they were there. You know what I mean? Like as mm-hmm. shitty as like my, I mean, as 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 not connected as my relationships are with my siblings, I still had them. You know, right. um, I I don't know what it would be like to experience all that by yourself. To be honest, I always kind of so I I've always kind of looked at the brighter side of my childhood. Like a lot of people feel like um, uh, my childhood is like was so bad because I didn't have a family and yada, 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 yada. That was just my life. Like I, I never felt anything bad necessarily of it. Um, and I try to look at the, the positive side of it all. And I think the positive side is that I didn't have to deal with like a family um, coming out. Seeing your every move. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't have to deal with that. I was like, I think that's a, good thing <laughs> yeah no, well, I hear other people's stories about their families and how hard you know their families are with acceptance and everything and I'm like I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that <laughs> uh it's funny because um I was just I was just talking to someone about like oh I don't really talk to my mother all that much like it was oh I got my Christmas text is what I said and they were like oh and I was like I mean I don't need to hear that kind of like sympathy because I'm not upset about right. it. like like my family right. thing is what it is I don't I don't hate anybody you know well my father but like uh you know like like the people who I talk to infrequently are still people who I care for and it's like I don't know it's right. so so you so you That's find how I am too I hate I I kind of don't talk about my past a whole lot in person because like you do see like the looks of the like looks. yeah and like oh and and, and, that, like, and that's and not like that I don't think that's fair I think like and if you if, if you're a listener out there who has a friend who uh is talking uh blase about their dysfunctional family maybe maybe it's okay for them to blase about it maybe yeah. it's not something that they fucking really care about or focus on did you create a community for yourself um i mean absolutely uh that's what drag is to me like when i became you know so deeply ingrained in the drag community yeah when did you what year was it that you just started being a drag queen I mean, I came right out of like 18. I moved out and and moved to the big city in Nashville. And uh, I started doing drag immediately. I knew that's what I wanted to do for a living. Um, And there were some years in there, uh, like maybe a year or two, where I stopped. I kind of gave up on it. Because like I said, in Nashville, there was that like two casts. And if you didn't get on those casts, you were working for free, basically. Was there, but was there a way, could you be just a working drag queen in Nashville at that time? Not unless you were on a cast, no. But on a cast, you could. You could yes. be. Yes. Now, if you were on a cast, like, you could do, that was a full-time job. That's interesting. Because, that, like, you know, I was thinking, like, from Chicago standards, which, you know, we missed each other, but we're both in Chicago. Right. Like, there was no drag queens were doing other jobs. Like we were we were doing other things. Like there, yeah. there was a day job. We reported at offices and stuff. You know, there wasn't this community. Tell explain and to yeah, us. And like in in Chicago, there's so many clubs and stuff, and there was you know so many shows going on that you had to hustle to get booked at like, excuse me, each and every one of them. Yeah. 
But no, in, in Nashville, like if you were one of the lucky ones to get on a cast, uh, that was, you worked, you know, four or five nights a week and that was your job. Um, they, you know, you usually had your own dressing room and, <coughs> Ooh, and that's Lux, bitch. I want my name on the door. <laughs> yeah. My first, my first gig was at this place called the connection. And, uh, it, it, the stage was huge, like a huge theatrical stage. Uh, girl, they had a um, they had a zip line that went from the light booth down onto the stage that the drag queens would ride the zip line down. Oh my god, they do that. They have some, they have that shit in like Cancun, Mexico at their fucking <laughs> clubs. That's like Cancun, Mexico shit. Well, yeah. okay, but let me ask you something, Sarah Andrews. Yeah. Like, because I think that you and I are kind of the same in the way of what the hell are you gonna do on a big stage? Because we're not, we are not the kinds oh. that are gonna be doing drops and no, kicks no, and not. I'm not a dancer. Never don't. <laughs> Now, I will say when I was younger, I do come from a dancing background. I did take ballet for quite a few years and um, a couple of other dance things that I didn't care about those. Ballet was pretty and flowy uh, and slow. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, like I did like used to like kind of try to dance uh, until my knees just started going out and like I, I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, to be those days, to watch Miss Sarah Andrews try to do a step ball change. I'll oh, tell yeah. you. I, I, was, I was doing dips and everything. I'm into it. Damn, but see, uh, you, were, you weren't easy on your knees, were you? So you no, had to cut, no, no, you had to no, cut no, it no, short. No, I had no idea what I was doing. Girl, yeah, no it. regard. No regard for your aging body. And now no, look at us. Now uh, we're I here. I don't know if you remember that song, Dip It Low. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my dipping song. <laughs> so you have been in the business since the 90s, girl. Let's fucking face it. What is it, like 97, late, 98, late 90s, baby? Yeah. yeah. Um, how have you seen the the scene change? Because I started in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, there was never a discussion about trans folks in the dressing room. No. Never a single one. No, uh, we were just there. So, so how has it how has it changed for you, or from from what you've seen from the start to to present day? I mean, when I started, like I said, trans women dominated the drag scene. As far as that, so I come from a pageant background. Like in the South, everybody's a pageant queen. Whether you've done a pageant or not, you're a pageant queen because that's who you're taught by. Um, it's regalia, beauty, gowns, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you're taught the glamour and the quote proper way to do drag. Um, right, the illusionist stuff, like yeah. the female illusionist kind. Yeah, of. Um, and if and if you don't do that and do it well, you don't work. Uh, but that scene was dominated by trans women. I mean, dominated and had been since like probably the eighties. I'd say the early, you know, the early eighties is when they started being allowed to be in the pageants again uh, after Miss Gay America in nineteen seventy-two put a ban on them. Right. Uh, from being there for like eight years. Well, after, you know, they were allowed, they started dominating the scene. So when I came around, trans women were where it was at. Like everybody wanted to be one. Everyone wanted to be like the trans queens. Right. Um, so then it would, so then as the years have gone, because so like then, I, yeah. when I started, there was no economy for it. There's no, there was no economy for drag. And now there right. isn't an economy because of a certain show that may have <laughs> premiered called Rupal's Droog Roos, um, which is a game show that they have on VH1 yep. and Paramount that uh, pits 
clowns together against each other in order to win $100,000. Now, you became an activist after this show pretty much started because- I wouldn't say an activist so much as an advocate. An advocate. You are an advocate because when, when, when you saw this, when you saw the show start, let's talk about Ruples. When you saw the show start, did you think that there would be no trans women on the show? Well, I mean, we all noticed that there were none in the first season. And then with each season that came along, the trans queens knew what was happening. What season was Sonique? Sonique was two? Uh, two, two-ish, I think. Okay, because yeah, she was she was the still. first queen to come yeah. out on that game show right. as a, she as a came trans out woman. during the I think the the finale or whatnot. And you know, after that, I if I remember correctly, we kind of like thought maybe you know maybe now they're gonna you know have some on there. Years went by and they just didn't. And actually, uh, there's a little uh, like a, a lot of people don't remember this, but uh, it was I want to say. I want to say it was like the third or fourth season, maybe fifth, something like that. Very early on, uh, there was uh, they World of Wonder held a um, uh, an internet uh, competition, like an open call type thing. Yeah, an open call, and it was like by fan vote, whoever was voted, you know, had the most votes. You submitted your video online on their little website, and whoever had the most votes got a cast spot. And there was this trans queen named Dina Cass, who is a fucking hoot. Country is cornbread and just personality out the ass. Um, but she was thousands and thousands and thousands of votes ahead of everybody. And suddenly the website went down. And when the website came back up, uh, it was, um, oh, uh, what's her name? She denied it. She declined that year. She won that vote and then she declined um oh what's the what's the little rock and roll girl's name who was on american idol oh adore 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 Adore. oh that's interesting i didn't know any of this the website went down dina was no longer when it came back up dina was no longer and adore was ticked like miles ahead of everybody Um, interesting very mysterious so Uh, but and you became- declined that year and ended up doing it, I think, the following year. Uh, 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 Tration. they still, after D- Adore declined, they still didn't give it to uh, Dina Cass. They gave it to Tration. So, but I'm, I, I do that's remember. When we knew, that's when we knew that. So was that, what, what, was that the moment where you got angry? Uh, that was one of the moments, but also in the very beginning, if you like go back in my history far enough, I was very, um, pro RuPaul I was like I was like surely he I was giving him the benefit of the doubt for many many years sure surely he's not like I mean he's friends with Amanda like you know he's producers or something like something surely not not Ru not Ru but then after so many things you know happened and I took up for him about you know saying tranny and shit too because um you know back then that That was was that was common what we we used yeah that wasn't a it wasn't a slur back then. Um, so yeah, I took up for him for a long time. And then after just so many things, I was like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. So now, your fight with uh with the RuPaul show and, and and not even a fight, like literally just trying to hold them accountable, saying that you are um 
completely alienating a group of humans that created the genre you know outside of like you know shakespearean play producers who dressed up men in drag because they didn't let women act like when it became balls and stuff like this this was a movement for trans people and um then they give you like things they, they give us other things like you know not trying to minimize mixed performance got mixed performance um but that wasn't, well, you know, that really to, wasn't the question that we wanted answered. They tried to pull the wool over people's eyes a number of times. I mean, with Peppermint, they they um, tried to advertise her as the first trans contestant. But, and I was so excited about that. I was like, oh, my God, they finally put a trans woman on there. Then when the show aired, she was, quote unquote, in the closet and came out halfway through the season like, it sounds like, like you like want to root for this game show still. It I want to root want for to. it so bad. And I'm happy that they're finally, finally, after a decade and a half, after an entire generation of trans women have been, I'm sorry, an entire generation of transsexual women have been denied this opportunity. I'm so happy that from here on out, it looks like they're going to be given the opportunity. Uh, but it just sucks that a whole generation that deserved, I mean, there are so many legends who were in their prime back then so, would have been so good on it. Yeah. Like the show started when Erica Andrews was still alive and she was, I mean, one who, who, who taught a generation of drag queens how to do drag. Yeah. Um, and uh, she couldn't even, she would, they wouldn't even put her on. So it just said that an entire generation of trans queens were, were sort of, taken out of the mainstream's eye sort of a race in a sense let's switch it up because you you made uh, a distinction when you were telling us when we were just talking and you said transsexual women mm -hmm. uh because you identify as a transsexual woman correct yeah. Yeah, um absolutely. and you are an advocate for all trans folks but you had a little run-in <laughs> uh on the twitter that I even got a little bit of venom from because uh, we, you and I talk openly about yeah. trans issues, mm -hmm. uh, but you had a little run in with the NBs, which are the non-binary folks um, mm -hmm. that are out there who also classify as trans. Right. Do you want to talk about what it was like to be semi-canceled on the internet because you, because of who you are and literally being yeah. a honestly it seems like because you're a trans white woman that suddenly your opinion didn't matter anymore after being a 40 year old <laughs> I mean I was I've, I've been canceled so many times I can't count it but that was definitely the biggest one and it, it, it I think it was especially big because um, I hadn't been announced for you know uh, the Boulay Bros Dragula yet but like um, people knew people the 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 uh, what the predictions were out and people assumed. Um, so they came harder because something, you know, big was happening. That's when they always come the hardest. Right. Um, and also, uh, uh, you know, I uh, didn't handle myself all that well with some trolls, basically. Yeah. Um, you, well, I, I learned then to say my piece and like ghost and post, say my piece, let them fight amongst themselves because I do get emotional. I do get get angry and 
when I do get emotional, I don't think so clearly. And I, I'm not as poignant as I know I can be. You, you lack and some eloquence in the heat I, of the moment. Yeah, and, exactly. And upon and reflection, though, upon, well, well, here's, well, here's the thing. I, and, and, and I hate that, that, I hate that we have to, this got me in trouble because, um, you know, uh, this segment has already gone over because I just love talking to you, but like the, our conversation regarding non-binary and trans folks started when Slag Wars started. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, and I was watching Slag Wars because the Tony Soto show was reviewing that show for the Patreon. And I remember they had a non-binary uh, uh, for the most reasonable mask presenting, like, you know, non-binary person and a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was Nikki a disagreement Monet. between Nikki Monet and there was a disagreement between the two. And the non-binary person was like, oh, you would think that me and a trans girl would uh, be on the same page. And I immediately was like, I have to, I have to talk to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> like I need, to, I need to talk to Sarah. And we had that long conversation because yeah. I said, I don't think it's the same. And this was a moment when, and I don't want to out your husband, but this was a moment when you were still very umbrella, everyone in. And I don't think- Oh, I was, I, I was, I very much advocated for the umbrella for a very long time. And, and, and it was a moment when I was like, because I wanted to learn from, I wanted to learn from you because I was like, well, I mean, if Sarah says it's an, um, it, that, it, that it fits, but it, did, it didn't fit to me in my head. And that's not saying that they're, that's not, I think it's like what people think is, is that you're immediately minimizing their existence. It's very strange to me that uh, saying that, that a trans experience is different than another experience, somehow in people's heads, they hear that you are invalidating them. them. And, and it's like, I, 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 in my opinion, that's their own insecurities coming through. Um, but yeah, there's no, I'm not invalidating you. I'm not saying you don't exist. I'm not saying that you aren't what you say you are, but, um, I believe the two are two different experiences. Yes. And it kind of feels like one side is a little bit pushy under that umbrella to the way to the front well, of the I line. Mean, transsexuals haven't been allowed to call ourselves transsexuals for quite some time now because it's and who made that up? because it's offensive to other people but, under but, the umbrella but, and I'm like wait a minute these are the same people who are screaming you know respect people's identities but then when a transsexual pops up and says well I'm a transsexual and my experience doesn't quite line up with yours they're like, how dare you, you know, invalidate us? And it's like, no, I'm just saying we're not the same. I'm yeah. not saying that we're better than you. I'm not saying that, you know, you're better than us. I, either I'm saying I can't take my tits off. Two different experiences. <laughs> yeah. The world treats us differently. Yeah. You know, you, you can't you can't pretend like the world treats us the same. Well, and see, this is the yeah. thing. It's like, it's like, and I do have, let me say one more thing. I do yeah, have course. a bit of a problem when um, uh, people uh, insert themselves into other people's oppression as if it's happening to them in the same way. We just that's, talked about this Munchausen by internet, girl. You got me looking at shit, Googling shit. I was like, 
that's very strange to me when someone inserts themselves into some explain, other explain 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 what you mean well take drag race for instance drag race rupaul very specifically stated in that the, the infamous guardian interview where they finally admitted that transsexual people would not be allowed on drag race he stated very clearly that peppermint was allowed on there she's trans great so clearly trans people are allowed on drag race right but had she had breast implants she would quote probably not have cast her so the problem isn't trans people the problem is trans people who have transitioned or are are modified their bodies and and it's ridiculous that i have to use all those words to say transsexual the problem (laughs) was not against trans people the problem was against transsexuals point blank period yeah and and uh so that for example is transsexuals were being oppressed specifically but the whole trans community sort of like hopped on it and inserted themselves in it and when transsexuals were like wait a minute like no 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 this is not about everybody this is you know specifically about us suddenly we're being transphobic we're being truthsome, we're being transmedicalist, we're being everything else. You're gatekeeping, uh, you're doing whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm just trying to explain what is happening to us. And and you're inserting, not only are you inserting yourself into our oppression, but you are also speaking over us. And that's wild that that's accepted and allowed. Yeah, but but the outside world looks at it and they're like, well, they're all trans. Like what? Yeah. So, so that and it's like yeah, that's so fucked up. And, like, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say, I don't remember being invited to the meeting where we put non-binaries under the T because there's so much room under the Q. You know what I mean? It's like, like I don't understand. To me, the mission statements are both different. Like trans is to transition into something other, whereas non-binary is to just be gray. Like and I said, well, like I said, I was very pro the umbrella for a long you, time. Yes, you was, were. This was sort of when, with the original umbrella, the original umbrella that included like drag queens and masculine women and feminine men and all that. And, you know, I was, I was very pro that, but then like when people started ripping that umbrella apart and editing it and then putting more people under there, taking more people out. Then it just became like- And brand new people making rules all of a sudden. I'm just, just became, yeah, it became very confusing. So confusing. And, and at this point, I think it's not serving any anyone. I don't think it's serving non-binary people. I don't think it's serving trans people. I don't think it's serving any of us to- the same umbrella because we all have different needs and we can't talk about those needs because everyone's arguing about them non-binary people want this trans people want that they don't align so like then people outside the umbrella are getting confused and being like trans people all the infighting it's just it's the same thing that's happening with democrats and progressives like i mean it's the same thing it's like we're all the same but you're all fighting and i think like what what really rang and really upset me during that whole moment with you was someone had tweeted, um, at the end of the day, you're still a white woman, so shut up. <laughs> and I was like, how dare you completely like erase a part of her? 
Like now she's just a white bitch. So she just got to shut her fucking mouth. Oh my God. Just a white bitch. That's a whole other issue that I have. Let me, let me say this. I have never uh, agreed with the way that trans activists have gone about their activism. I've always been a little, you know, kind of on the outside of that being like, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Um, and that is one instance that I, I don't agree with the way that they do it is whenever they started saying trans women are women. I think that is so oversimplified and a problem to erase, to, to erase the trans part. Don't erase the trans part of me. I'm not a just, I'm not just a woman. I'm, I'm a trans woman. I'm not the same as a woman. The world will not ever treat me the same as a woman. Don't erase that. You're erasing a lot. You're erasing a lot of oppression. You know, women have, you know, their, their oppression and their issues too. And we do share some of the same ones, of course. Um, but we also have our own oppression that women don't have, like that cis women don't have. So don't erase that part of me. Um, and See, this I is so interesting. What you just said, what you just said proves that point. When someone was like, you're just a white woman, they erased the trans part and all the oppression that comes along with that. So yeah, I, I don't agree with just simply being referred to as a woman. I don't like that. I, I am a transsexual woman and, and I stand on that. God damn it. I could talk about this forever because then I would imagine that some people would probably call you a turf. <laughs> like in that oh, situation too. That too girl. Yeah. Too. I, which, which it's like, how dare you be so quick to fucking label me as something like I, respect our identity, respect my identity, unless respect. Yeah. Identify it, like I, exactly. Is. Now, um, before we go to break, cause honestly, I could literally talk to you for hours and we've gone already over for this segment. Um, set it straight because, uh, so you got on that internet game show and uh, you got on it under the name Bitter Betty. Right. Did you do that so people would not know that you were still Sarah Andrews? Oh, you must have seen my tweet today. <laughs> I've had a couple of people uh, uh, say, you, you know, uh, just go ahead and change your name back because you're the same person, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, do these people really think that I changed my name to try to hide from like, all the advocating that I did, all the awareness that I raised for trans women in drag, like what a bizarre take. But uh, no, I just wanted a more marketable name than Sarah Andrews. <laughs> That's right. You are forever and though, the icon. Let me Sarah say this. Andrews. This is this is why I became Bitter Betty is haters like that. Uh, when I was advocating so fiercely, uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, a countless number of people were like, well, you just sound bitter. You're just bitter. You didn't get it. You're just bitter. You can't get on the show. And I'm like, well, no shit. Yeah. Why is that not okay to say? Right. Like, why is that not okay to say? Like, first <laughs> of all, like uh, uh, a game show openly discriminated against a group of people. And you're just and, bitter about it. And, and, and which, which is like, uh, they I can never be on the show at that time. They can never be on the show. Like, why wouldn't that make you exclusion makes everybody bitter 
oh, bitter as hell. And people tried to, you know, use that to, to discount the words that I was saying. Oh, you just sound bitter. It's, it's gaslighting. It's, it's a, a big form of gaslighting. Yeah. And, and so misogyny I, decided, because... <laughs> I decided, I heard it one too many times one day and I was like, you know what? I'll show you fucking bitter. I'll show you bitter Betty bitch. And I became bitter Betty. And you did. And I do have so to say you to my haters. And I have to say you uh, became one of the most appreciated ca uh, characters on that uh, internet game show. Oh. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, and we'll be right back. All right. Tony Soto Show. All right. We are back. And now, Sarah, before we go, real quick. This is a section, a segment where I ask you some really fast questions and get some really quick answers. And the first question is, we are in a brand new year, 2022. Happy New Year, BT Dubs. Oh, happy new year. What is a trend that you want to leave in 2021? Girl, COVID, fucking COVID. <laughs> Mass, can we get rid of it all? Like, I, I'm so tired of it all. I mean, we're already, what, two weeks into January, and I think COVID's still at the top it's of the list. It's still going to so. be there. Uh, You're already setting yourself up for disappointment. I my beautiful face out in public is all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who do you admire? Myself. <laughs> what? Look at me. Uh, this is this is a product of the 90s everyone this is a latchkey kid this me, is someone me, <laughs> it's me. all about me 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 um uh, it's my favorite warm-up me 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 um if you weren't doing what you are doing right now what would you be doing bitch probably sex work <laughs> fucking sex work back in my day when i started transitioning like i would have been doing sex work if i couldn't do drag that's was those were my only options in the deep south and sex work is work because you it gotta fuck work. a ghost it you is know work, I mean? but i'm also like borderline asexual so like it's it would not suit Ooh, me that's though. a lot of work then so yeah. <laughs> like i love how you're borderline you're like i'll let you touch it occasionally uh -huh. but overall that's just age heavy over just... there like <laughs> <laughs> what is your worst bad habit uh my worst bad habit procrastinating procrastinating and biting my nails i started um doing my own nails because i don't know if you've heard about gel nails like they're so easy to pop on yourself and they're oh, like no i just like, get a gel polish I just oh my god it. i can't pay to have my nails that's I'm too frugal, girl. I'm uh, uh I'm too stingy. See, this uh, is how I knew that COVID was over for me. I went, I started going back to my manicurist and getting my eyebrows done. So, oh, see, bougie. I was like, COVID's over. Someone else do your eyebrows, bougie. And right, and finally, toilet paper under or over. Girl, that that is a, a, a question of the past. Have you not heard of vertical toilet roll holders? Mm, you fucker, that is so bisexual of you, and I ah, hate it. Vertical. Like, cheers aside, vertical. But, but I will say, before vertical became uh, like an option, I don't know why it took us so long to realize that you could like put the toilet paper vertically. Before that, it would have been over. Ah, so glad you're not a monster. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Those under are weird to me. Right it's now. like it's rubbing against the wall. That's weird to me. <laughs> um, Sarah, thank you so much for kicking off this first experiment. Uh, oh, solo with Soto. Me. I love, I love you. you. Uh, will you tell people where they can find you on the social media? Um, you can find me at Bitter Betty Sucks on everything. And it's S-U-X. 
That's right. Bitter Betty sucks. That's right. Um, uh, and everyone, I am the Tony Soto Show on everything that is Instagram, Twitter, and Venmo. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a regular Tony Soto show. So until then, goodbye. Bye.